Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host Scotty Wrestling. How are we doing this week, ladies and gentlemen? There's a big week of wrestling in the world of Joshi, and I am here to make an announcement if you haven't known yet. So, moving forward, all of my Joshi thoughts um, or main Joshi thoughts will be coming on the Five Star Joshi Podcast, which is part of Fight Game Media. I have been doing that with Parker. Um, You know, we just recorded episode two a little bit earlier, and it's been a blast so far. So most of my main thoughts will be coming on there for now on. However, I do plan to still preview Stardom pay-per-views. We will only talk Stardom on here. Um, and I will, you know, touch on certain things like the, with the five star coming up, I'll talk about some matches I enjoy. Uh, but anything that in terms of previewing or discussing, expect that to be on there. You can, um, subscribe to the Patreon, uh, the first tier to hear that moving forward. Uh, expect a lot of AEW, WWE, New Japan and other stuff here from now on. Uh, this is my, you know, position to talk about all that. So we'll use this show for that and a lot of Joshi talk on there. But I will still discuss the pay-per-views um, and whether if they deliver matches of the week We'll discuss Stardom or Joshi in that sense as well. So it's not completely gone, but if you want my full thoughts, please start to check out that show moving forward. Uh, Speaking of Stardom pay-per-views, this past weekend we had the Stardom Yokohama Dream Cinderella 2021 in summer. I thought it was a great show. Um, Natsuko Tora's injury devastated me, devastated many others. You can hear my full thoughts on that over to on the other show. But I did want to talk about Tam Nakano versus Saya Kamatani because I thought this match was one of the best all year. Uh, Tam Nakano has become a master at getting the most out of her opponent. She's become a master at making the viewer commit to watching, commit to listening 
to understand what's going on, to invest themselves into their matches. And Saya Kamatani has quickly, quickly, quickly become one of the most must-see talents in Joshi for what she does. She has yet to miss in any of her big stages. And the more opportunity she gets, it feels the more she will continue to grow. And I think she's only a few months from being the complete performer that she needs to be. Of course, there are still hurdles to go. But this was yet another great match for Saya. Another great defense for Tam. And it's definitely a match worth checking out. So let's get into Friday Night Smackdown. No Roman Reigns on the show this week. Found that to be very interesting. Uh, And the viewership showed it as it was the lowest week they've had since going to Fox. And a year ago, it was on this exact same date as well. So I'm wondering if that has more to do with the 4th of July. You know, people are going away. People are having parties. I think that could have a lot to do with it. No one's, you know tuning in on Friday night to watch SmackDown. They're probably going to parties and stuff. So I have more feeling it was due to that than Roman not being on the show because there was no sign beforehand that Roman wouldn't be on the show. Um, It's definitely more so of the holiday weekend situation, I think, there. Uh, Zelina Vega returned to the WWE officially on Friday night. She was entered into the Money in the Bank ladder match for the women, and she lost. She lost to Liv Morgan in the middle of the ring. So that was quick. Um, the Zelina Vega return makes very little sense to me, but get the bag, do whatever you want. I don't care. I think people have freaked out a little bit too much about it. Like She can do whatever she wants. She's a grown woman. You know, like, it's just not a big deal at all. Maybe she wins the money in the bank. Maybe there were promises made. She's definitely one of the favorites, I think, all of a sudden. And I wonder if she's just going to fall back in line or is she actually going to matter moving forward. It's definitely a good addition to SmackDown. They needed it. But it makes a little sense for her career, I feel like. I feel she could have went somewhere else and really dazzled, but as long as they, you know, give her the time, she should dazzle here as well. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. The winner would qualify to enter the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, but it would be a last man standing match. And when you hear Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn, you instantly think this is going to be special. Instantly, that's what you think. Not only is this going to be special, this is going to be great. This is going to be top-notch action, and that it was yet again. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn delivered just a fantastic outing beyond physical. Many times it looked like Sami Zayn was going to win. The spot of the night might have been the double-stacked tables. Sami Zayn pushes Kevin Owens off the top rope, crashing down all the way to the floor. Um, but what I thought was the moment of the night was once Owens caught Zayn with a pop-up powerbomb and a stunner, he said that's enough. He would end up powerbombing Zayn onto the apron, smashing his back, reminiscent of 
Owens' first night in NXT when he did the same exact thing to Zayn and turned his back on his friend. I always like when they, you know, do little callbacks like that. I thought this match was, you know, from beginning to end, great. Um, it would be, it would have been the best match in WWE last month. Like, that's how poor I think they had for a month of professional wrestling. But, guys, we are one week away from WWE being back in front of crowds. I hope that changes a lot here. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm praying. We'll see what happens. But this is definitely a match to check out. These two are, you know, two of the best still to this day. And I hope people recognize that. Um, I didn't watch Monday Night Raw this week. And it felt great. I don't know what happened. By the sounds of it, nothing. Um, I don't really care. And that's that. So let's just, you know, discuss NXT and AEW because these two shows I thought were great. NXT was the Great American Bash. AEW was on the road for the first time in Miami for Road Rager, and that was a very newsworthy show. So most of the chunk of this episode will be about those two, like most weeks. So let's kick off with NXT, the Great American Bash. So NXT kicked off with MSK versus Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher for the NXT Tag Team Championships. This was the perfect opener in my opinion. I thought, you know, putting MSK against such a physical team was going to be such a good match in itself. But Champa and Thatcher have really become an excellent tandem. And I think that's a credit to Champa especially, who's been able to make the most out of, you know, the two teams he's been put in during his time with NXT. I thought not only was this match good, but MSK is so good, guys. They're so good. And NXT's crowds, for some reason, have been booing them. I don't know why. They just don't get it, I guess. MSK is great. Um, I think Carter and Lee form one of the best tag teams in wrestling. And it feels like every single one of their matches matter. Um, and they're must-see, which is great for tag team wrestling. Uh, I really just do think they were such a great addition when they signed them. And I think they're going to keep having this great tag run. I'd love to see Kyle Riley and Bobby Fish maybe face them down the line. Um, but, yeah, this was a good good opener. MSK won, of course, because there's just no reason to take the titles off of them yet. I'm guessing the Grizzled Young Veterans probably end up beating them some at some point down the line. But, my oh my. Something great about tag team wrestling, people. Next up was L.A. Knight versus Cameron Grimes for the Million Dollar Championship, the rematch from NXT TakeOver In Your House. So it wasn't that great. It was better than their ladder match, but it wasn't that great. Um, in the end, L.A. Knight defeated Grimes, making Grimes his butler. I really don't have too much to say about this match. I wasn't a big fan, like I said. Um, it, was, it was just fine. It was just fine. Um, next week, the breakout tournament begins, so that's exciting. 
Um, some of the names included are Carmelo Hayes, who I said should be the favorite to win. I think he not only should be the favorite, giving him a title shot would be smart, and even having him win in that title shot I think would be smart. Now, I know that's asking for a lot, um, but I think Hayes is an absolute star. And if they ever wanted to do that NXT Evolve second brand, I feel like this would have been a good way to just crown their first champion. You know, you'd crown a new champion for that show. I thought that would have been cool, but that's not the way they did it. Um, Next up was Tommaso... Nope, not Tommaso. My bad. It was Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell defending their NXT Women's Tag Team Championships against the makeshift tag team of Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. We have new tag team champions. Io Shirai and Zoe Stark won after Tegan Knox returned to distract Candice LeRae leading to LeRae pretty much being in a daze, getting knocked out of the ring. Hartwell was left on her own. Stark hit her with a beautiful knee to the skull. One, two, three, in the middle of the ring. New champs. Um, Running back, Tegan and LeRae, seeing that they built the story as though LeRae knocked out Tegan's a great idea. Um, Not only will it give something for Candice to continue continuously do but I'm wondering who you know helps her along the way because it's very likely she's going to be feuding with Candace and with Indy there she's going to need some help so I'm intrigued by that um also Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai made it very clear they're still chasing those tag team titles and they're also still feuding with Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon I think you know Shotzi's probably next to get that title shot against Raquel. Um, It just seems like the way they're going, unless she doesn't defend the title and they do the tag title match, but that's definitely not what I would do at the next TakeOver. Uh, Next week, also an NXT Championship match. Karrion Cross defends against Johnny Gargano with a special guest referee, the one and only Samoa Joe. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued because I feel like Joe is probably going to get hit by Cross and he could put Cross to sleep. Maybe we have a new champion. It's Gargano. I know it sounds crazy, but this could be the best way for them to fast track Cross to the thing while having him you know, kind of gets screwed out of the title because Joe chokes him out because he made it happen. I'm very intrigued at how this could go. Um, Gargano's kind of in a weird spot because he has to be the baby face of the feud, but he's still very much not. And I don't know. It sounds like the people are ready to cheer for him again. They were cheering loud for him two weeks ago. They were kind of behind him again here, so... It's very interesting. I'm trying to figure out who takes it off across. Because I thought for the longest time it was O'Reilly, but I don't know. Like, if it's O'Reilly, you got to hurry that up because I don't think Cross is lasting much longer on the NXT brand. We had a championship cipher uh, as Hit Rose sang, rapped, did hip hop. It was bad. 
It, it, was, it was really bad. I, I, I like music. I like Hit Row. I don't like them together. Like, the Hit Row theme song's great, which they ended up singing, but their freestyle was bad. Didn't even know what they were talking about. I don't need this again. I'm good there. Yeah, I'm I'm good. And then the main event of the night was Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole 2. This time, a plain, straight-up wrestling match to decide who was the better man. Adam Cole put a lot of stock into this one, saying pretty much if he won, that guaranteed to everyone that he is the greatest NXT superstar of all time. O'Reilly, on the other hand, if he won, that was going to be too straight against Cole. That would have ended the feud once and for all. And that would have decided that he was the better in-ring competitor. This match was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And it's not shocking with who we're talking about. But these two have such great chemistry. And every single moment felt necessary. I thought they told a wonderful story in the ring. Um, Cole was selling his leg from the week before. But he turned it around on Kyle, hurting his left leg, I believe. And that would come down to the finish. Uh, at one point, Cole hit a Panama Sunrise on the outside on from the apron onto the floor, flipping over O'Reilly. Um, he'd roll him into the ring. He'd manage to get his foot on the rope. He hit a last shot. That wasn't enough. It was just so good. Uh, the finish came when Cole was going for another Panama Sunrise. O'Reilly would reverse it with a knee, but the knee, which it was injured earlier, acted up. And that saw Cole hit the Panama Sunrise, hit the last shot, one, two, three. A great match. To me, the right winner. And, of course, we will have a third to decide who's the real winner of this feud. I mean, it only feels right that they do so. Um... The finish reminded me a lot of when O'Reilly was battling with Balor. And do you remember when his stomach was injured and that kick from Balor ultimately is what hurt O'Reilly? It reminded me a lot of that, of like how he was able to fight through, but he has these weaknesses in the match that ultimately cost him. And I'm very interested to see if this is part of a story moving forward, but Absolutely fantastic match. Uh, a great show, top to bottom. A lot of good matches, a lot of good stories coming out of it. And I'm really excited for this upcoming breakout tournament, which I believe might begin on 205 Live, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm excited for that. A good episode of NXT this week. AEW Dynamite Road Rager, the first show. Outside of Daly's place in over a year. The excitement for this one was high. Understandably so. This was this was huge. Besides WrestleMania. It's the first in the United States of one of the major promotions. Going on tour in any sense. And this is the beginning. 
The show opened up with Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall in a South Beach strap match, I believe. That was the exact term. It was a strap match. Uh, you know, you uh, touch the four corners consecutively. It was fine. Um, during the match, the lights went out and they turned back on. And, you know, they just tried to sell it as we've been having technical difficulties all day. We didn't see it until later that night, which is really the big story of the entire show. Uh, the match was fine. Of course, Cody won. Cody wasn't going to lose to QT Marshall. There was no chance. And that essentially, essentially ended the feud between the factory and the Nightmare family. So, yay. That's a celebration for us, I guess. Out came Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega was about to do a promo with Tony Schiavone discussing his next challenger, what to expect. They hinted at Fight for the Fallen being his next match, which I believe is in three weeks. His next championship defense. Uh, much like last week, the Dark Order came out. Um, Evil Uno led the charge, and the attack was on very quickly after Evil Uno got in the face of Omega. You know, they talked about how Hangman Page, he's the next guy. He has to be the next guy, and we haven't seen Page confront this yet. But this, this changed it all. As his friends are getting beat down, Hangman Page's music hits. The crowd goes insane. Absolutely insane. As you would expect it, to be honest. And Hangman clears out the ring. He gets ready to do the buckshot lariat. But Kenny just stares at him. There's this, you know, you remember their relationship with the tag team. They never have laid hands on each other other than that one title match in the Eliminator Tournament where Kenny ultimately beat Hangman in the finals to go on and win the title. Otherwise, they've been pretty civil or separated since their tag team breakup. And they got in each other's faces, and that was that. It was a huge moment. And you realize that these live crowds, they still are eating up Hangman all this time later. And that's great because very, very soon this man is becoming the next AEW World Champion. And that is going to be perhaps the biggest moment in AEW history in terms of pop, in terms of making a star. That is going to be the moment and I cannot wait for it. JR had a interview with both Ethan Page and Darby Allen. I'm kind of digging Ethan Page. I think he's been really good in these solo promos. You kind of forget that Scorpio Sky is like his tag team partner. Um, I'm not a big Scorpio Sky fan, but Ethan Page has impressed me. These promos have been great. His matches, he's shown some impressiveness when like he tossed Darby. And next week, of course, will be the coffin match at Fire Fest Night 1. Lots was said here. Um, we really learned that the reason this is happening is because Darby Allen jumped over Ethan Page. He got his chance, you know, when Ethan Page was 12 years into the business and Darby just started out. He got to AEW first. And that bothered Page. And now this is how we got here. 
I would have Ethan Page win the casket or coffin match. Sorry. I think that would just be better storytelling. I think you want to establish a heel. Um, I think Darby doesn't get hurt by that. It only helps Paige. If you help Paige lose, you know, you lose credibility instantly. And I think that's something that AEW's had a tough time with when it comes to building certain, you know, heel guys. I think Paige could be a good serviceable mid-card heel. Um, maybe a guy that feuds with the likes of an Orange Cassidy. Um, he could feud with Hangman. Like, there's a lot of ways to go here. He could be a... He can be the heel that, you know, might not have the title, but he can be serviceable. Um, There was no Miro this week, so that's also just something I wanted to toss in. Uh, We have the Pinnacles, Jake Hager, oh, nope, wrong team. We have the Pinnacles, Wardlow, and FTR face off with Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz. In the end, the Pinnacle won. This match was pretty solid. Uh, Jake Hager showed more improvement in the ring than he has in like a decade in this match. He was actually pretty entertaining. It was a fine match. Um, I just kind of want this feud to end. It's not going to anytime soon, but it would be nice. Speaking of Pinnacle and Inner Circle, we had MJF and Chris Jericho discuss the labors of Jericho. What Jericho would have to go through to get a match with MJF. MJF picks five opponents, five stipulations. Jericho has to beat every single one of them. And then he gets a match with MJF. Clearly, they're just going to be the pinnacle. Maybe it was four matches and the fifth is MJF, which would make more sense. Uh, Be singles matches with all four of the pinnacle. I could see that happen. Whatever. Um... Yeah, this was fine. This was fine. Uh, it was announced that John Moxley returns next week at Fighter Fest Night 1 to defend the IWGP United States Championship against Carl Anderson. I wouldn't be shocked if Carl Anderson won that, actually, because it's clear he's going back to New Japan. And that would be a real swerve, but I, I feel like New Japan's waiting for Moxley to lose that in Japan. I think that's there ultimate plan, which would make a lot of sense. Um, Britt Baker had a promo where she said something about blood money and said, why don't we just go to Saudi Arabia? That freaking made me laugh. It was so funny. It was just an absolute burn. Um, if you know, you know. Um, that's really it. Otherwise, the women were pretty held back once again. But the big match here was... Andrade El Idolo versus Matt Seidel. This was Andrade's AEW in-ring debut. His theme music sucks. His ring attire is not great. But man, oh man, is Andrade still very good, as you would expect. He looked like a star. He was a star. He had the suit a lot like Tetsuya Naito. And he won. Because, of course he did. Matt Seidel was purposely a ranked wrestler this week. Because having Andrade beat him in his very first match, very smart. And I'm wondering where they go with Andrade. Because clearly Andrade could easily hop the line and beat Hangman if they wanted to. For the AEW world title. Because clearly they see him as a main eventer. And I just, I understand adding talent, but... 
when do the likes of the Jungle Boys and the MJFs win the world title? I'm not even a big MJF fan, but it's coming, and some would say he's ready now. So I'm wondering, because when you keep adding these stars, it's hard to find a point where they should lose in the honor of the homegrown, per se, the originals of AEW. The young ones that they chose. That's just me, though. Arn Anderson was out to talk about Cody Rhodes' win. The lights went out, and there he was. Tommy End, Aleister Black, now going by Malachi Black, in the ring, lays out Arn Anderson with a black mask. Cody Rhodes comes down to the ring. Cody tells him back off, lays out Cody. With a black mask. And the story here. Is that Malachi Black is now the third. Demon. Soul to take over his body. I guess that was the story being told. In the video. And it's very interesting. I think I like the. I like the name Malachi Black. Malachi has always been an interesting name to me. Um, But Aleister Black. Whatever you want to call him. He's in. AEW already. He was just released. And the PW Insider reported that WWE never switched his non-compete to 90 days when he got called up. It's been 30 days, and clearly it was 30 days here as he got to jump right into AEW, and he's going to be a star there. Instant. He's going to be feuding with Cody first, and he has to be Cody. He cannot lose to Cody. That No. You can't do it. But I'm excited for Malachi. Finally, that him and Zelina Vega, which, if you don't know, they're married. Um, they both show up in the same week in other companies. If you told me a week ago when Vicky was supposed to fight wrestle that Zelina Vega was going to be that instead, I would have believed you. But instead, she's back in WWE and Aleister Black is here. Crazy. Just absolutely crazy. Uh, there's a mixed tag match between Orange Cassidy, Chris Statlander, facing off with the Bunny and the Blade. Um, this was the only women's match of any sort. I thought Chris Statlander looked real good here. She's clearly someone that can be a star for them if they fully embrace her. Um, I think putting her with Orange was a brilliant move, and it's working out well. Um... Jorge Masvidal, Amanda Nunez, and Dan Lambert um, of American Top Team. Masvidal is one of the most popular fighters in UFC history. Amanda Nunez is pound for pound probably the greatest women's fighter of all time. They were all in attendance for the show. Dan Lambert had this weird promo in the ring where he was shitting on AEW just to get squashed by Lance Archer. The crowd didn't really react to it like they probably hoped. I thought this was weird. Unnecessary and pretty bad. And finally, the main event of the evening. The Young Bucks face off with Eddie Kingston and Penta El Zero Miedo with the AEW World Tag Team Championships on the line. This match was great. This match was insane. The Young Bucks had one hell of a look. They got rid of their handlebar mustaches, though. That was a shame. But they continue to be, you know, one of the best heel acts in professional wrestling. And Kingston... The day that he gets that world title, because I think he will, I think 
it's just he's so likable and everyone's cheering for him. It'll be such a moment. Will be incredible. Uh, Penta, as always, stole the show. I thought he was phenomenal in this match. Uh, no Phoenix, no Pack, no Moxley. No return there uh, when the Elite ended up coming out to attack. Only Frankie Kazarian tried to help. He put down Brandon Cutler, but the Good Brothers would take him out with a magic killer or whatever the fuck it's called. And that was that. The Young Bucks would ultimately win when they would put tax in the mouth of Eddie Kingston, then super kick him. Ouch. Uh, but it was a great match. It was chaos from beginning to end. And it's exactly the perfect way, I thought, to conclude the first show back on the road. Um, You know, you can't really complain about getting a Young Bucks championship match, especially in their current form. So I thought that was excellent. AEW was excellent. NXT was excellent. Just great two shows. And that's that. Um, if you want to keep following me, you can check out my articles on lastwordonsports.com slash prowrestling, insidetheropes.com, uh, itrwrestling.com to be exact, dailyddt.com, and voicesofwrestling.com. You can check out my five-star Joshi podcast with Parker on Fight Game Media. I also write now for Fight Game Media, so definitely check that out. You can subscribe to the Patreon to hear that episode. And I believe that's it. So until next time, guys, which will be next week, of course, have a good one. また美学でしょう夢見